Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. We are on to 2020 on the Happy Mike New Abadir Year. Show. Happy New Year, everyone. Gina Bocola here with Mike Abadir, the main man, like always. And uh, Happy New Year, Mike. And we have a, a really good start to the new year with a foursome of wildcard playoff games coming up this weekend that are all really interesting. I think they're all good games. It felt like this year, there. I don't think there were really any bad teams or like cakewalk teams that got into the playoffs even though we joked about the nfc east a lot they're gonna the eagles get a home game and i felt like you know whoever won that division we talked about it throughout the year the eagles or the cowboys would have been plenty capable of competing with any team one game maybe the eagles can't win three or four in a row but as far as a one game i think i think this is a good group of eight teams we have playing this week and i'm excited for this for some games yeah, you know, it, it is. A, which is a, the matchup you're most looking forward to? The, the Patriots game. The Patriots game. That's I'm, the most intriguing I'm to you? really curious to see if they're going to be able to flip that switch like they've done so many years. And because they haven't been able to flip the switch as much when they've been in the wild card. They haven't been in a wild card round since 2009. And they've never won a Super Bowl when they've had to start with a wild card game. So I'm curious, is is this going to be, not the end, because they, they were still a, a good team this year. They still won their division. They still got into the playoffs. But we saw late that they couldn't compete with the other really good teams that they're going to have to face, some of the, the top-tier teams in the AFC. Yeah, they lost and, every division winner in the AFC. Mm-hmm, yep, yep, and they struggled twice against the Bills, who, you know, they are also in the playoffs too. So I just don't, you know, they're not the same type of Patriots team. They're going to be facing a Tennessee team that got really hot and just looked like a completely different team when Ryan Tannehill started. And I think this is a good, it's going to be a good test. It's got, it's going to be a good matchup. We're going to have, you know, everyone, like a lot of people thinking the Patriots are done. And so they're going to be using that as bulletin board material that they always seem to find something to use as motivation, right? Like they need the, the additional motivation and uh, nobody believes in the, the Patriots. Right. But I, to me, that's a good one. Um, I, the Saints Vikings, like I think the Saints dominate, uh, will pro- I think the Saints will probably dominate that game, but I, I, I don't think the Vikings are, if, if you told me this game was close, I wouldn't be, it wouldn't be completely shocked. I just, are we going to get a healthy cook? Uh, I like the morning game where it feels like the Saints are the the um, Eagles and the the Seahawks are the two perfect teams to match up against each other because they're both really banged up. So so they may uh, be playing just like we don't know who's going to be running the ball for either team. We don't know who's going to be catching the ball for the Eagles uh, at all. And and we know that every year if if Houston makes the playoffs, they're going to be getting that opening game on Saturday. It's clockwork. <laughs> this is the sixth time they've played in that game in their in their franchise history. Every time they've made the playoffs, they played in the opening game on Saturday. Is that so? That's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. They don't have a very great necessarily playoff history. They're just not a sexy that. team, you know. What I mean, no. like they're not a team that will necessarily draw ratings, you know. And a couple of those years, they had like backup quarterbacks playing, and they were in situations where like they their team was good early, and then like kind of just just barely got by in, in order to uh, get into the playoffs. Yeah, and if you recall, by the way, one of the matchups that would have been pretty exciting against the Raiders, the Raiders had their backup. Yep. Right, because Carr got yeah. hurt. 
Yeah, so he didn't, right. he never it was, was backup versus so backup. That was like yeah. a horrible game. Yeah. <laughs> so they haven't had necessarily a lot of playoff fortune when it comes to, uh, you know, the the stars coming out onto the field and healthy and like especially with the quarterback position. I like that game, though, too. You Like, Buffalo's been a good team most of the year. Um, Houston has struggled defensively late, but they played one of the toughest schedules all, all throughout the year. And they're, you know, a very inconsistent team. You know, you, you just don't know which Houston you're going to get when their offense is firing. If Will Fuller plays, if Watt comes back and gives them anything, because their defense has been awful, even if he's not Watt, if he gives them like a little bit of an emotional boost and a little bit of something, that could be good. And then we know Buffalo, they've their defense is good. They're a tough team to score on, uh, to score touchdowns on when you get into the red zone. They can run the ball well. Uh, they're really good on third down because Allen can kind of extend and make some plays with his legs. I, I think all the, to me, almost... I think the right teams, somebody said this and I heard earlier, um, I think a lot of the right teams got into the playoffs this year. I didn't really feel like like anyone I was looking at like, ah, man, they should have got in or they were missing. And I'm a Rams fan. They just, you know, they had plenty of opportunities this year and they didn't uh, and they didn't, you know, do what they needed to when uh, when it was most important. I feel like these were the, the playoff field is a, a solid field. Now, a, a different variation of that question is which of these teams that are uh, competing in this wild card weekend have actually, in your mind, have a chance to win the Super Bowl. Oh, the Saints, absolutely. I think I, I mean, hundred percent. I, I don't see anybody besides the Saints. Yeah, no, I do you probably, agree with that? Yes, I, but I do think that any of these teams could win maybe even one more game, but I don't think they could win. You know, like win three or four in a row you know, against the better teams, except for the Saints. I think the Saints can. I wouldn't be shocked if the Saints beat Green Bay in Green Bay. I wouldn't be shocked if the Saints beat San Francisco in San Francisco. That that wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, the, like, the Patriots, I mean, if the Patriots won and they went, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be that shocked if they went and won in Kansas City. I wouldn't think they would, but I, it wouldn't, like, completely surprise me. But then I, I wouldn't think they'd be able to win again against Baltimore or, or then in the Super Bowl, too. Um... So yeah, I I mean, I could so see probably like, Saints one, Patriots two, and like, and like the other teams like the Bills. Or Is the it crazy I, to see Vikings three only about, just from the perspective that they have one of the 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 better running games in the league? No, and, and they can't so. throw when when you know I mean when they get hot. Their passing attack is pretty good. Yeah. It's just a matter of their offensive line coming to play or not. Then if Dalvin Cook is healthy and he's able to give them something like he was in the first you know half of the season, uh, what about? I mean, why not Seattle? They're they're banged up right now, but if they're able to, like hearing that they might be able to get some of their key pieces back over the next coming weeks, if they were to kind of extend. So if they were to, I mean, you're telling me if they won this game, they couldn't beat. San Francisco, a team that they've just they've had two really tight games with back and forth. I think they could beat San Francisco because they know each other really well in division rivalry and you know, they could have been they could have swept them up until this point. And, and then they have to so deal with either it, a Saints or Green Bay team most likely. Yeah, I mean, uh, look, if the Seahawks we're at full strength and, and look, you yes, can say they have a lot of no, teams, right? No, but that, but it's a little different with them. It's a little bit they, different. They, so I think the real question is, and I think I mentioned this last week, you know, how many games can you get out of Marshawn? He didn't have to play a full 17-week, 17 17-game 17 schedule 
17 weeks schedule. You know what I mean? He was he didn't go through training camp. He he's got fresh legs. So is it unrealistic to ask for his Hall of Fame self for you know four or five games? You know, starting with last week, I think it's reasonable. I think it's reasonable. He knows the system. He and I think he, if you were going to plug in somebody off the streets, it would probably be Marshawn. And if you want to, you know, to plug in that hole. Well, what I'm worried about with with Seattle is it sounds weird to say, you know, a letdown at being in in a playoff. But man, you you have the ball. You are you have two opportunities where you get tackled inside of the two yard line and you don't score a touchdown. You have a bad delay of game penalty that probably costs you the game. And then you still have chances to get in. You can't get in. There's a really bad missed call on a, um, a would have been a pass interference. That's a no call down there that would have again put them right in. But then who knows? Maybe they get stopped on the on the one again. They they got stopped a couple times. D- does that uh, a win that would have given you a buy? You wouldn't have been playing this week. You had the week off, and then you would have had home field advantage in your uh, when you do play. Does that just change and like really? Then you have to travel now. Go I know where I know. Look, I know where you're going with this. And you know it's it's kind of like emotional letdown. You know, yeah, it's kind of like in college football. Did are you in the bowl game that you want to be in, or sure. is it a letdown bowl game? And I think when you're talking about professionals, I, and so and and, and, and Wilson, you have your, well, and you have your your fearless leader Pete Carroll. I think he can reset them pretty quickly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where they're because they're pros. And, you know, they can kind of be, you know, be able to move on from the letdown of having a bye, playing at home. It's interesting because that NFC was kind of jam-packed between, you know, the, the Saints and the Seahawks and the 49ers and the Packers. They were all right there. And unfortunately, two of those teams were probably going to have to, you know, uh, miss out on that bye just the way it works. And some years you have a bunch of 10 and 6 teams that are in the playoffs. Other teams, I don't remember really a year like this where you had four teams vying for 13 and 3, 12 and 4. And so from that perspective, it's pretty top heavy in the NFC and somebody was going to have to miss out. I actually think that the the Saints and the 49ers were kind of the most deserving, if if there's such a, a thing, of, of a bye week and, and a home game. But... Um, it's not the way it worked out, so both teams have to play this game. Unfortunately for the Seahawks, it's on the road. They're they're the biggest loser out of the foursome, you know. Yeah, and they're going to be like you mentioned, Marshawn Lynch, and, and the reason why we're talking about Marshawn Lynch is because they are without the, Seattle. Their calling card this year in the last couple of years there is their running game, and they with Chris Carson they ran the ball really well. They had a good backup situation with Penny. Both of them are out. Procise also was their kind of change of pace who could catch the ball out of the backfield. He was also out. They were literally bringing in running backs to work out for them over the last couple of weeks. Marshawn Lynch two weeks ago uh, was taking shots in the final game at Oakland in the st- up there. He was in the, uh, in, in the, with the fans and again, literally, you know, literally taking shot. shots of tequila. And, the, and then the next week he's playing for Seattle in an, an unbelievably huge game. And he almost got an opportunity to go up and over for the game winning touchdown. Can they move the ball? Will be a big question because if they can run the ball okay, that that's the one thing that Philly Philly defensively they're very good against the run. They're, I think it's going to come down to like coaching philosophy for 
for Russell, um, for with Russell Wilson and with with Pete Carroll, because he he gets a little stubborn sometimes with trying to run, run the ball. He tries to kind of um, force the run. If he can just have the faith with Russell to use the good wide receivers with Lockett with Metcalf. That's where you try to attack Philly because their secondary is not very good. It's banged up and it, it really hasn't been good all throughout the year. Hey, you, you know, you said something when you're talking about the being so adamant and stubborn about the running game. That reminded me of something you'd mentioned earlier at the top of the show about the uh, non was the non PI call for mm-hmm. the uh, in favor of the, the Seahawks in that game. But there's one other thing that if I'm a Seahawks fan, I'd have sour grapes over. Let me take you back to in the, I believe it was in the first half. Um, actually, it was in the first half. This, the Seahawks are driving down to be able to kind of, you know how they kind of started off slowly offensively. So they had an opportunity to really, really get some momentum in their favor. And they were driving down and it was maybe 30, 33 yard line, 35 yard line, somewhere in there. Marshawn Lynch was stopped on a fourth in inches. But, and he was stopped. It was clear cut. The play before that, though, and it was really strange because I thought they had a first down. The network showed it from a couple different angles and looks like he he got to the marker. And it's one of those things where I think sometimes coaches are like, do I want to, you know, use a challenge over a couple inches? And I think Pete Carroll took it for granted thinking, you know, we're Marshawn, we're going to get it anyways. But he had it, man. He, and I went back and I looked. He clearly had the first down in the play before. When I say he, I think it was Lockett and, and the play before. Um, th- I mean, things like that make the difference. He gets that field goal there or or even a touchdown, but even just a field goal. Then the, the Seahawks don't – it's not a goal line stand. They're going for a field goal because the difference would have been, what, five or six points. Now you could say, well, Shanahan wouldn't have gone for two and all those kind of things. At the very least, it would have been a tie game going into overtime. So, you and know. Isn't it, isn't it funny that it was last year with the Saints where they had that really bad call against them um, when the Rams go to the Super Bowl, end up going to the Super Bowl? And, and then this year, when the rules change and you have the opportunity to challenge a, a pass interference yep. call. The, it, it becomes actually worse. It's like the, the referees and the officials become like more stubborn to where they never reverse calls, even ones that were absolutely blatant. And when it all comes down to it again, and there's another missed call, who are the te- one of the teams that it actually affects and it screws and they're not even playing? The Saints. Yep. Because they, yep. they would have gotten a bye and they wouldn't have had to play this week. They would have, you know, and it's amazing that <laughs> again, you know, they they end up getting a, just screwed somehow by the refs. Maybe this year, though, like maybe they're going to get one. I, you know, maybe it is. It, maybe they're a little due for uh, well, for some know, things to fall their way. <laughs> here's the thing, Gino. And may, maybe this is the ever optimist in me. OK, but I kind of believe that there are certain teams, you know, that are kind of ground and pound that aren't so rhythm based in terms of a passing game that um, definitely need to get a buy for their bodies to heal up. But I also think there, there are teams that are a little, the, have a little bit more rhythm to them, like maybe the Saints passing sure. game, maybe even like the Ravens. And I, I, I don't want to equate it too much to baseball, but in baseball, too much time off is really tough on hitters because they're just creatures of habit. And, you know, once you, like you're, if you're on a 400 hitting streak over seven games, you want to come out there and play that very next game tomorrow. 
You know what I mean? That game ended at 10 at night. You want to be the 1 p.m. game the very next day. You want to keep it rolling. And even though this isn't exactly like hitting, but I think for, you know, timing-wise and stuff, I think you kind of want to get out there. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, who knows, maybe this isn't the benefit of the Saints. Maybe it's to the detriment of the Ravens. I mean, we'll see. Um, Especially when you're talking about a younger quarterback like Lamar is, you know, I mean, every game he's learning, every game he's getting better. You kind of want to keep it going. You want to keep that rhythm going. Heck, they're a good enough team that they even won with backups. So um, maybe maybe that's just enough to prevail. But let's face it, once you get to next weekend, you're talking about only good teams. You know, the the, the lesser quality within the conferences is kind of weeded out. And now it's like game time, man. So we're, we're about a minute or so away from uh, our first break before we do. So that first game... Um, is Buffalo Houston, and I think with uh, our guests, we'll talk a little more about the the Minnesota Saints matchup. Do you have any thoughts in that Buffalo Texans game? I, I thought that the Texans, despite getting into the playoffs, winning the division, and having a ten and six record, kind of thought they underachieved this year. Mm-hmm. They lost a lot of games that they should have won, especially. That, and that's weird because season. you know they won. And they beat some good teams, right? If you look at their wins, like they have wins against Kansas City, they have wins against the Patriots, right? So you look throughout, and it's okay, but they just, every time, we we talked about this over the last couple weeks, they were very inconsistent. They never um, won three in a row, and they had never lost two in a row. So they just never built up any momentum, and every time you were kind of ready to write them off, they would show up and play pretty well. But it seems to me like they've kind of had the same issues over the last couple years where... We used to think of them as a really good defensive team. They're not at all. No, like their their defense is atrocious. They have a terrible secondary, and they don't and they, scare anybody defensively. No, and and now they don't, and they still don't really like in the middle of the year. They got a little bit better at this. They still don't really protect Watson all that well. So it's the no. same issues over the last few years, and they seem like they haven't quite really fixed them. I completely agree with you, Gino. Let's take a quick commercial break, and uh, on the other side, we will continue to talk. NFL playoffs. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Inglehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have we got a high-energy, all-access sports show for you. 
It's Outside the Huddle, starring Lemond Williams. Each week, join Lemond as he takes callers, discusses the week's top stories in the world of sports, and sits down with active and former players to discuss their transition from sports to business. Outside the Huddle is a great resource for players making career transitions both on and off the field. Tune in Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central, and 5 Pacific for Outside the Huddle on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of a former player who also has coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver. He'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl has the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. He'll cover the camps, on and off the field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Mike at the MikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here on the Mike Abadir Show. Mike, uh, I believe you have a, an announcement to make, and also we're going to welcome in uh, our guest right after that. Yeah, and the two quick announcements. One's a fun one, and uh, one's a cool one. So the fun one, obviously, is the NFL playoff contest on Yahoo. We're bringing it back this year for the third time, third annual playoff pigskin contest. Encourage everybody to check out our Twitter feeds. We sent out all the information for that. It's free. There are prizes, and uh, there's always the sought-after opportunity to come guest host a segment with us. The other one is uh, is kind of a cool thing. Uh, Voice America is now connected to Amazon Alexa, Google Home, streaming on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, so on and so forth. And with Alexa, there's some pretty cool features like you can say to Alexa, play the Mike Abadir show uh, uh, you know, on Apple Podcasts, and Alexa will bring it to you. You could also say, Alexa, skip ahead to Mike's picks or uh, skip ahead 30 seconds or Play the previous episode, you know, do the OK Google or whatever, you know, works on the OK Google, works on the Alexa. I'm not super savvy with that stuff, Gino, but there are a lot of cool things that technology is bringing to the table and we are now connected with it. Stephanie just hooked up one of those uh, yesterday. She's been do it, talking, telling with what to do, turning the lights on and off and everything. So we'll, we'll have to use that now and, uh, and get it going. Well, it's kind of funny because I have uh, one of those fire sticks, and it comes with Alexa. And the only thing I ever use with it for is uh, Alexa, get TVG. Alexa, yeah. get, get TVG too. <laughs> you know, what about so. uh, Alexa, welcome in Nick Underhill? Yes, I think Alexa would bring him in. And uh, actually, she probably has some questions for him because there's a lot of intrigue about this year's Patriots team, the timing of this playoff game, and uh, their opponent, the Tennessee Titans. Nick, what is up, my friend? Hey, Nick. Do you think Alexa can get them uh, functioning offense? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the interesting thing is I was kind of looking at this matchup from the perspective of, okay, any sport, you got to score more points than your opponent to win the game. The Patriots are interesting, though, because especially earlier in the year, they were scoring a lot of points defensively. 
special teams. It seemed like they were, I mean, I know any, you know, a lot of our listeners are fantasy players and their fantasy team, you know, uh, defensive defensively scored just a shit ton of points. Excuse me if I could even say that, but, uh, is it going to be one of those things in your mind where if they're going to win this game, they're going to need either a defensive score or the defense to set up the offense. Same thing with special teams short in the field or, I mean, how are they going to put together enough points to beat the Titans? Yeah, it's it's kind of like such a cliche, and it almost feels like like bad analysis to say like they got to win the turnover battle and field position. But like with how anemic this offense has been, that kind of is everything for them right now. And if their defense isn't elite on a given week, they lose the game. Like I, I think every game that they've allowed seventeen or more points this year, they they they've lost. And you know they have an offense where if they got to score. 23 points on offense and they don't get that special team score or they don't get that defensive score or, you know, they don't block that punt and end up with like incredible field position. Like that isn't a team that can, you know, as it stands right now, I'll say this and they'll probably come out and light the world on fire because they're the Patriots. And somehow until you shoot them twice in the head, they're always alive and they find a way to come back. But, you know, uh, it, it just doesn't feel like they're that team this year. And, you know, it, there's a lot of reasons for it. You know, Brady and his receivers really haven't been on the same page the whole season. And, you know, I think if you want to be honest and, and you do an honest evaluation, I don't think Brady's quite, you know, what he was two years ago, let alone last year, five years ago. You know, I think you're starting to see that age creep up on him a little bit. And maybe they haven't done a great job of putting the team around him to help, you know, mitigate that aging process or you know, with, with him fading a little bit, maybe, well, I mean, I guess they tried with Antonio Brown and, and that kind of went, you know, super sideways, but it's just not a very good offense. And if if they give up some points, if Stephon Gilmore, you know, the last three weeks, he hasn't been the, uh, you know, defensive player of the year that he looked like, you know, the first 13 games of the season, if he, if he takes a step back, that whole defense kind of takes a step back with him. And then suddenly they're a very normal team that can get beat by Miami. And, you know, I, I just can't imagine them going to the playoffs like in a worse way than they are right now. Hey, you know, and I know Gino wants to jump in with some uh, pretty well thought out questions here, but I, I've got some just like uh, almost ignorant. Like, how did they win twelve games? How are they twelve and four? How did Brady <laughs> have six hundred pass attempts? How did he eclipse the four thousand yard mark as a quarterback? How did Julian Edelman? have 100 receptions and over 1,000 yards, over 1,100 yards. How do these things all happen, especially that 12-win mark? Well, I mean, their first half of the schedule was just absurdly bad, um, you know, and they were beating up on really bad teams. And, you know, week nine they come in, and I, I believe it was week nine they play Baltimore, and you kind of start to see it a little bit. And then, you know, they didn't really start playing teams with winning records until after their bye, and then, you know, they lost to Houston, Kansas City, Miami. I mean, it's just the good teams that they've played this year, they, they haven't fared very well against. Uh, you know, Dallas is probably a game they could have found a way to lose that one too, but Dallas just had like a very weird plan in that game. They had Ezekiel Elliott running well, and then, you know, he, he just, they went away from him. He's averaging probably close to five yards a carry that game. I think he had like 20 for 85 or something like that. And, you know, they, they just didn't keep pounding the ball. And they're probably – you know, other games they could have lost if it wasn't for that defensive touchdown. Or, you know, they, they always seem to get a special teams play. It's just amazing how many teams seem to, like, crap themselves on, you know, a punt return and just do something stupid. 
and you know they they take advantage of, of stupid teams and you know I think that's always going to be a hallmark of the Patriots but you know I, at this point it's hurt like this whole season you know Brady's really just kind of seemed like a, a game manager and like I said I mean <laughs> I've been like reluctant to kind of you know talk about him in, in that sense the whole year because you just kind of feel like you know oh it's the Patriots they always they always figure it out they always figure it out season's over though and they, they haven't figured it out now like is he going to click in the playoffs? I don't know, man. Like the, the evidence just like isn't there for that turnaround. So, you know, if they're going to win these games, I, I I think you know the defense, like you said to start out, defense special teams they got to be elite, and they just can't make mistakes on offense. And maybe that can work, but it's it's not something I would put my money on. And that's probably the first time in God, I don't know, twenty years that you know somebody would probably bet against the Patriots in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think with the different. It feels like the difference between this year, you know, and even some of the last few years, where going into the playoffs, it feels like there's always the people that are, oh, the, the Patriots aren't going to do it this year. It, it's that just having to play that extra game and how that's historically just been bad yeah. for them. They just haven't been good when they've had to like in the playoffs, making it through when they've had to play this wild card game. I think when when I'm when I'm looking at this matchup in particular, it feels like the one area where New England is going to do really well even if their o-line isn't playing well they still should be able to kind of exploit this is the throwing the ball to the running backs they they it feels like they have to get white when they have to get burkhead involved out of the backfield because that's a that's a really big weakness and one of the weaknesses for the titans they're just not very good covering running backs out of the backfield and also the titans are not very good in the red zone, their their red zone defense is is terrible. It's w- one of the worst in the league. So I, I think there are a couple like factors that you know the Patriots may have to key in on. And I guess if you're looking at you know the mastermind Belichick, I'm, I'm sure he's probably seeing the same thing that, that if, if I'm seeing it, I'm sure he's seeing it. But it feels like sometimes they don't they don't pound that matchup that they have, and they kind of have gone away from it. I felt like I haven't been quite as impressed like down the stretch with Belichick this year uh, overall too. Like. Uh, not quite the like as you know dominating from from a coaching perspective. Well, I'll start with the last point first. Yeah, I mean, even last week, I, I feel like he might have kind of cost them the game a little bit. But at the end of the first half, by yeah. you know not not trying to get some points there, and it was almost like he was sending a message to his offense, like, "Oh, well, you guys aren't moving the ball. I'm not going to trust you. You didn't get the first down. I'm not calling the timeout. We aren't we aren't going for it. Let the clock run out." And you know, ultimately they, they needed those three points and, you know, that's a one, one of many factors of, of why they lost that game. Maybe they wouldn't have gotten there, but it would have optically would have looked a little bit better if, if they had tried for it. And yeah, I mean, if it is a game where, you know, the stuff's open to the running backs and they can exploit it, that's really like the bread and butter of this offense still. And it's really kind of like the only thing yeah. they got going, especially with Edelman being banged up a little bit. Logan Ryan's good at covering the slot. You know, they, they have a deep enough secondary to where they can kind of double Edelman, which is something, you know, teams have been doing since the Houston game, forcing Brady to go outside, and that's when you see things kind of really go out of sorts. So if that stuff to the running backs is there, I mean, that that's kind of the one way to victory, but, you know, then they went and go on the road. Like, if they were at home throughout the playoffs, I, I think even with this bad team, you would kind of give them the edge a little bit because weird stuff happens in Foxborough, but, you know, not being at home is it, it, really, really a huge deal, so... I mean, that Belichick point is actually a good one because, you know, in a way he, he did, he played a part to some degree by not trying, you know, of them potentially having to go to Kansas City. And that Kansas City game is going to be really, really tough and arrowhead. And, and we look, you look around, you mentioned the point, like, 
all of the good teams in the AFC this year have beaten the Patriots, and they don't seem like they match up very well with them. And what scares me in this particular matchup is the last eight games, and obviously they've been playing better competition then. They've only scored 24 points once, and in the last eight games, in the first half, they've been outscored 97-75. to 75. And if they're down against this team with Henry, with the way they run the ball, that's not going to be a good spot to be in because they can just pound you and run the ball and go on long drives, kind of suck the clock right out of the game and not give you very many opportunities to even get it to even get some scores. So, I mean, that, that concerns me. And, and, you know, this, uh, on top of that, the strength of the the Patriots with their secondary also struggled a little bit last week. This was the first time we really saw Gilmore get torched. Yeah, well, I mean, even the week before, though, he gave up the big play to uh, John Brown. He kind of he broke outside, and then Brown went downfield, and like that was kind of like the start of it. And then, yeah, Devontae Parker. But then going back to last year, Corey Davis is, is a guy, like the whole season was one of the only guys that torched him. So then, like, what do you do? Do you put him back on him, or do you go to A.J. Brown? And like you said, if if they don't get out to it, like if they let Tennessee get out to the lead, like I feel like the key to everything is the Patriots kind of got to get like up two scores really quick because then also their their play action attack is just absurd. The Titans and you just look at Tannehill's numbers and like forgive me if I'm off by a percentage point one way or the other here, but I believe in wins 34 percent of his of uh, his attempts are from play action and losses it drops down to 17. So like even their passing attack like. It all runs off Henry. A.J. Brown, I think he has 600 yards receiving off a of play-action attempts, like 300 or after the catch. So, like, you get teams loading the box, and then he just kind of takes advantage, makes someone miss a tackle, and he's eating you up. So, like, the whole thing is if you can make them, you know, one-headed, you got to cut off, cut off the head of the snake if you can stop Henry. And the only way to really do that, I think, for them is to get up. Because, like, even against zone, you know, teams that use zone uh running schemes, like, that's kind of been a little bit of the Achilles heel for the Patriots, too. I think Ingram had, like, 97 yards on 10 carries. Nick Chubb ate him up on a couple zone runs. Uh, there was somebody else, too. But, I mean, you know, the elite running backs behind the zone stuff has kind of been one of the things that's that's hurt them this year. So, like, it kind of sets up really well for the Tennessee offense going into this game. And, you know, if, if they can just get that lead, it, it will become a much, much more manageable game. Nick, some quick rapid fire, if you will entertain us with it. Does this week's result, or let's just say, does this playoff series result, uh, however far they get, have any impact on whether Brady is a Patriots quarterback next year? Uh, I don't think so. I, I think that that decision is going to be made independently. You know, either if he's out, he's out. If he's in, he's in. I, I don't think it matters how far they go. Do the Patriots win this game? I'll say yeah, just because it's at home. If it was away, I'd say no. They win the game after. I guess it depends on who they match no. up against, right? You think that's where the Bucks well, yeah, is next week? Kansas City, if it's Kansas City, no. No way. But you think they could match up and uh, somehow find a way to beat Baltimore? Is that because of the inexperience of uh, the quarterback? I just feel like... I don't think Belichick gets beat by that twice. I feel like he saw it. The way that game went, they got a little bit better as it went along. I think that they would have a much better plan for it the second time around. I don't think there'd be any surprises. I, I just feel like maybe there's a chance. I mean, it, it would be a coin toss, though. I mean, I'm not sure I would take them against Baltimore. I'd have to think about it a little bit more. But just off the cuff, I feel like that could be a weird game that, you know, they. it just feels like that. that's the type of Belichick game. And 
you know, I can just picture it on the, well, America's game or whatever it is, is like, you know, all the turning point, like all this stuff. Like I, I could just, it just feels like that's the kind of game that they would win. Last one for you. Is Tom Brady the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots in 2020? I'm going to say, yeah, just because I can't picture him retiring and I don't know where he would go. Like his whole thing here is the chemistry with the receivers. And it's, that's like such a storyline over the years, the whole time he's been here, he's had such a hard time getting comfortable with guys. I just can't picture him going somewhere else and settling in with like a whole new team, no matter who the guys are. And like them being on the same page, like, their draft picks all bust. Like, so many guys have came in here and busted just because, like, Brady doesn't want Like, look at Sanu. Like, I know he got hurt, but, like, it's super awkward. He campaigned to have him here, and, like, they're still not on the same page. They got a first-round pick in Harry. It's not working out with him. It's not like they're completely devoid of weapons. It's just, like, those weapons and him just aren't meshing, and, and that's, like, a huge narrative to the season. So, I don't know. If he wants to keep playing, I just, I just have a hard time picturing him going uh, somewhere else, but like maybe he would follow Josh McDaniels or something. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, see, I can't even figure out what team would want him. I mean, I know that sounds kind of crazy, but you'd have to kind of be ready from A through Z to win the Super Bowl outside of the quarterback position, or else it wouldn't really make sense. Obviously, if you're in a rebuild or, you know, unless you think that this is the missing piece and that this is the guy that can get us there, it doesn't make sense. But what keeps ringing in the back of my mind, though, Nick, is that he was uh, obviously grew up a 49ers fan. And I remember hearing one time him mention something about seeing Montana in a different uniform. So I think it means something to him to be a Patriot from beginning to end. If, if yeah. uh, you know, if, if that makes sense. So, um, and, and to me, I don't like necessarily seeing these super mega stars. I remember the, uh, at Denim Marino's career, he tinkered with coming back to play for the Vikings, but he opted to just, stay retired. So we'll see, man. It'll be interesting to see if the New England region is without Mookie Betts and and uh, Tom Brady next year. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a big talk today, uh, obviously, with the uh, Dodgers back into the fold for trading for Mookie Betts. So I'm always going to try to beat you to talk a little bit of baseball, Nick, every single time and every time you shut me down. But I'm going to try it at least to get some Red Sox talk out of you. I have no idea what's going on with them. So that's that's all news to me. <laughs> Very good. Nick, man, appreciate you coming on with us. As always, uh, Gino and I love talking to you, talking some Patriots football. Hopefully for you guys, uh, you guys have a, a Super Bowl run. One more left in you. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, thank you for winning. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely come back and we can talk about it. Sounds good, my friend. That's Nick Underhill. Right, guys. Thanks for having me. Athletic. Thank you so much. Let's take a ne- another commercial break, Gino, and uh, we'll – Finish up talking more NFL contests and prediction time. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel joining the revolution with jim and trav this week will be two bow hunting legends christian berg editor of peterson's bow hunting magazine and mark drury from juries 13 and bow madness from understanding deer movement to how weather and increased hunter pressure affect them the ins and outs of calling decoying and shot placement we're talking whitetail essentials the revolution is presented by outdoor channel sportsman channel world fishing network and my outdoor tv saturdays at 9 a.m pacific noon eastern on the voice america variety channel Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Final segment here on the Mike Abadir Show, and we have our next guest. Mike, why don't you introduce him? Yeah, we got a uh, previous guest of ours from uh, last year, Arif Hassan with the Athletic covers all Minnesota football, Minnesota Vikings. Congrats to the Gophers, by the way. How's it going, Arif? Hey, Arif. Um, I'm good. I'm good. And yeah, pretty excited about the direction the Gophers are heading, huh? Yeah. They're, Amazing they're what a coach can time. do. Amazing yeah. what a good coaching staff can do, right? Yeah. Phenomenal. Yeah. Now, uh, on the professional side here, so this is kind of a, a grudge match for the Saints, obviously uh, referring to the um, miracle last play that the Vikings were able to pull out and kind of uh, begin this ride of multiple years in a row. The Saints feel that they've been robbed. But before we actually get into this matchup, I, and I didn't watch the last game against the Chicago Bears to see if they were taking that game seriously, arresting players or what, but have you seen any evidence or signs of the Vikings being able to kind of fix their offensive line woes? Uh, not, not a ton of evidence, honestly. I think that, you know, they've got a pretty good right tackle in Brian O'Neill, a second year player. Um, and then they've also got a reasonable left tackle, which I, I don't really think is enough against Cameron Jordan, but that's who you have. Uh, and then the interior offensive line uh, has been kind of an issue uh, the uh, entire season. And so, you know, they've been, you know, working to to reduce the exposure with rollouts and, and schematic ways to resolve the offensive line. But, you know, in, in one-on-one battles, they, they tend to lose more often than they win. So that's going to be 
a pretty big concern. Luckily, the Saints have, uh, for the Vikings anyway, the Saints have uh, a couple of players will be missing in action along the defensive line. That'll make things a little bit easier for them. And then, um, you know, how's the health of their receiving core? You know, I, I know that uh, Thielen came, you know, took a few games uh, to recover, but doesn't seem like he's back to himself. Uh, what's what's going on with that? Yeah, the past couple of games, or, or rather, you know, two weeks ago, it really seemed like Thielen wasn't, you know, at 100%. You know, I, I watched that again, and I really didn't think that there were signs, at least from what I could see, that he was physically hindered in any way. Uh, I think he had four targets, no catches, or, or if there was a catch, it was only one for uh, very little yardage. And I, I think really the issue is more getting back up to speed with the offense. He's been kind of, you know, missing in action for about, you know, eight or nine weeks if we don't count the Kansas City game that he was in for about seven snaps. I, I really think this is more just about getting back in tune with the offense. I think the Vikings wouldn't really put him out there at least, until he was at least 90%. Uh, and I think that the bye week, you know, really kind of ensures that he's probably pretty healthy. Um, so the Vikings are, are likely entering the game with two pretty healthy receivers that I think any team would love to have. Uh, and I think this might be the healthiest the Vikings have been uh, at the position since about week nine, which is kind of interesting to think about given that it's, you know, the playoffs. Now let's talk about this matchup specifically. I think if they, they look at their uh, game plan for the first half of their, you know, playoff matchup from two years ago, they're going to see that, you know, they were defensively, at least they were very opportunistic because every time that it was kind of a bend, but don't break type mentality. It seems like every time the Saints were about to kind of muster, you know, uh, an offensive series that was, you know, going to yield points. It seemed like the Vikings were able to get that big sack, create that turnover. Um, you know, I guess the real question I've got for you, Arif, is, is it going to take their offense to outscore the Saints, or do they not want to get in the shootout and they got to go back to, you know, timely sacks and, and creating turnovers? Obviously, that's an obvious, you know, every team wants that. But I guess how do you envision them being able to compete and ultimately win the game? Yeah, I, I think they don't want to get into a shootout, but I think that's really the only avenue they have to win. I think that you're right that, you know, the way that this offense is performing right now for the Saints it's going to be difficult for the Vikings defense to show up again. Back in 2017, they had the number one or number two defense in the league. Right now, you know, it's not bad, but it's probably, you know, around number 10. And so they can't really rely on the defense to be as effective. And I think a lot of that has to do with the secondary. Um, the Saints are very good at avoiding pressure this year. Breeze is getting at the ball faster than I think I've ever seen him uh, do it. And so they, they don't really have an opportunity to generate sacks in the same way. And if you take a look at that game two years ago, they dialed up a lot of blitzes, I think 16 blitzes in that game. I don't know if that's going to be working this year because of how good Michael Thomas is at kind of uh, adapting his routes to what the defense is doing and creating hot route opportunities for Drew Brees. So I think a lot of it's just going to be keeping up. Uh, you know, the Saints secondary is a little bit weaker than it was in 2017, uh, some of it due to injuries, some of it due to just kind of regression and stuff like that. Uh, and, you know, with the way the Vikings receivers can play and the way that Kirk Cousins has played over the course of the year, they've got an opportunity there, and, and they're just going to have to be kind of lucky on defense. I mean, Anthony Harris is, you know, leading the team in picks, and he's done a really great job picking off quarterbacks that don't tend to get picked very often, like Aaron Rodgers and, you know, for them, hopefully Drew Brees. Um, so I think they're going to have to be a little bit lucky on defense, but mostly I think it's going to have to be a shootout as much as Mike Zimmer doesn't really like to play that kind of football. Now, uh, one 
thing that we always hear the narrative is about Kirk Cousins and the inability to win in prime time or the inability to win big games. You you look at the Vikes this year, they were 1-4 against teams that are in the playoffs. They did beat the Eagles. Do you ever get a like do you get a sense if if that is that anything? Is that just completely something made up? Like is there ever like a sense of that like when you know covering them or when is, is that something that the team f- ever like feels there because that's the narrative that we hear but Kirk he's been good this year he's been pretty good overall you know the the bulk of this year it just seems like you know you play the better teams you're obviously going to be more likely to lose it's it's common sense sometimes what is that like and do you think he has the ability to kind of go in a shootout and win a big game like this on the road yeah, I don't tend to buy uh, a ton of stock into that, especially as kind of the narrative has changed a little bit this year because it's, you know, no longer can he win in prime time. Can he win on Monday night? You know, they they kind of yeah. shifted it yeah. because he did, in fact, win a prime time game. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I do, it doesn't make a ton of sense to me just because I, I can't imagine the pressure is any bigger if you've got 4 million people or 12 million people watching you. At that point, it's just kind of a wash. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I think you take a look at some of those games like the Seattle Seahawks game. You know, Cousins didn't play out of his mind, but he certainly wasn't the reason the team lost. They ended up scoring 30-odd points, um, and if they had prevented the Seahawks from scoring 37 points, you know, they would have won. So some of it's not really on Kirk. Some of it's, like you said, the fact that you just happen to play better teams in the playoffs or the fact that playoff teams tend to be good, so your record against them is not going to be great. Um, And, you know, the other team that could have made the playoffs, the Dallas Cowboys, you know, they beat pretty handily. So... Um, I, I don't think that there's a, a ton of sense of that. I think a lot of it is just, hey, you know, these teams are good. It's difficult to beat good teams. You know, I, I think in the past, you know, the Vikings have shown that they can beat, you know, pretty good teams in, in opportune moments. And, you know, in a lot of those games against, you know, really high-level, you know, uh, really high-level offenses or high-level defenses, they've gotten pretty close. And I know close isn't the same as winning, but I, I think it demonstrates that the team has a quality to kind of get over that hump. Before we let you go, Arif, got to get a prediction out of you. What do you think happens come Sunday morning or by the afternoon? Right. Yeah, I, I think this is a pretty good Vikings team, despite kind of all the, the worries about it. But uh, this is more than a good Saints team. I think it's a pretty phenomenal Saints team. I think they might be the best team in the NFC. Um, so I, I'm going to have to go with the Saints, especially because they've got home field advantage. I think Vegas has it about right, seven and a half, eight points. I would say it's a high-scoring game. So I would say something like, you know, 38 to 31 or something uh, pretty preposterous like that. I think it's going to be an exciting one. Good stuff, man. Really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Apologize about a little bit of scheduling confusion there, but if the Saints, uh, uh, you know, if the Vikings find a way to outslug the Saints, we'll have to bring you back on and get a little bit in depth because I'm going to be curious to see what kind of formula they're able to ring up. I'm going to assume that it's going to require Dalvin Cook probably rushing for about 100 to 125 yards if they have any shot to win. Sure. It'll be fun to break down if that happens. I'd love to come back on. Good stuff, man. Thank Thanks, you so Reed. much, man. Enjoy the weekend. Good stuff there, man. I th- The reason why I think it's the most intriguing matchup of the weekend, Gino, isn't because there's necessarily a lot of suspense about who's going to win, but I think it's going to be the funnest game for exactly the reason that Reef mentioned, which is, the only way that they could win is probably going to be in a shootout. And it probably is going to be like a 38 to 31 type game, you know, 41 to 35 type game. And those games are always fun. We saw that with the the Saints and the 49ers earlier, you know, this year. That was a lot of fun. I know that kind of like the purists that love defense don't like that. But sometimes these games are really fun, especially in a dome. It's, it's, it's fun when teams are 
have the ability, like when teams have okay defenses or you're doing it to a good defense, that's when it's fun to me. Because then we know that it's just the offenses are really clicking. So let's quick hit on the uh, on the four games. For me, I'm going to go... Now, are you Saturday. talking winners or are you talking points? I'm going to go... Right I'll go with the spreads. Um, in, in the Saturday morning game, I'm going to take the Bills. They're plus two and a half. I'll take them. I think they're going to win that game straight up too. I would play the money line. The Patriots game... I think the Patriots win a close game, but the five points is too much. I would take Tennessee. That just feels like too much for a Patriots team that is not really going to blow anybody out right now, I don't think. Um, And then I'm leading Saints minus eight. I think it's minus eight, seven and a half. I could see like a late cover, but I I do think the Saints win this game. Um, I could see like a late Vikings cover, but the I would still lean Saints because I I think they they might have the opportunity to blow this game open. And then I would lean Eagles at home. Um, I think the Eagles are going to win that game at home. I think Seattle blew an opportunity last week, and I'm not sure if the uh, if the NFL gods are going to give them a second chance this week. Yeah, and a key point about that game is uh, for all the Saints fans that are listening out there, the Seahawks are going to have to win that game and then probably go in and beat San Francisco for the uh, Saints to have a shot for another home game. I'm only putting it in that perspective because I don't think the Philadelphia Eagles can go in and beat the San Francisco 49ers or the Packers. So sure. um, that, that's going to probably be the most likely path. Uh, real quickly, I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills as well. I do think that they uh, have the better team overall, to be honest with you. Um, I th- I was on the Titans bandwagon all week, and today I just said, you know what? I think New England has one more game left in them. I think they cover the five. I think the Saints in a blowout. And um, I hate to say it, but I think the Eagles win this game. There we go. We have wild card weekend. And the next weekend is a a great weekend for the divisional rounds, too, when we see really like the best teams in football playing. And I I mean, I've said it a few times. I'm. There are usually in the group of, of playoff teams a couple teams that I really don't like or I don't think. All these teams are interesting to me. You know, even the games are the teams that probably aren't quite as interesting overall. I like the Bills. I like what they've been doing. I like, you know, Houston is fun with uh, when Watson's firing and, and, you know, if they've got Fuller and, and, and Hopkins going, they're really fun. So I, I think this is just a good group, and uh, I'm excited for this uh, the NFL playoffs to start. No doubt there. So one more last reminder, get in on the contest. Always a lot of fun. Support your team. Or if you got no team, bragging rights, invite your friends. Let's have a good time over these next few weeks. Give us something to follow for free. No cost there, but there are nice prizes. Once again, as always, Happy New Year. Thank you for tuning in and listening to us. We definitely appreciate your support. Have a tremendous sports weekend, everyone, and we'll see you same time, same place next week. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.